Welcome to About Scripture, a podcast designed to take the listener deeper into Scripture and biblical thought. And now, welcome to the podcast. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him some sort of a coat. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Most of you have caught on. That's Genesis 37. That's the beginning of the story of Joseph. Go ahead and put the picture up if you can. Sorry for those of you who are listening to this and not able to see, but uh, those of you in the audience can see that uh, there's a picture of a little girl on a horse here. This is my daughter, Ellie, and this is the day after her fourth birthday. She wanted to ride a horse, and so we took her to a horse and paid for her to have a riding lesson. She got to brush down the horse, and she learned how to pick rocks out of the hooves of the horse, and uh, she did a few other things. And then she got on the horse, and she learned how to, to get it to go forward and how to get it to go backwards. Of course, the instructor is doing it all, and Ellie is just along for the ride, pretty much. And I don't know what you think. I mean, if you have the correct opinion, you will share mine, that this is about as cute as a human being can be. Uh, I can't think of ways to, to get a human being to be more cute than what this person is. Ellie is four, and I am 44, and she thinks that makes us about the same age. But I know. And I say this uh, pretty frequently. Ellie is the child of my old age. She is number six out of six. And, you know, if you asked my older kids, uh, who is your daddy's favorite? They would, without question, say, well, Ellie is. Now, they would also say that I spoil her. Uh, because she gets away with things that they did not get away with when they were her age. And I will say, I, I do not accept the charge of spoiling her. I do not accept that. I don't, in my opinion, spoil her. Uh, I do discipline her. I will uh, discipline her with my, uh, well, I won't get into it, but uh, <laughs> but I uh, I do discipline her. I will talk firmly to her, but it is true that she gets away with things that her older siblings did not get away with when they were four. Well, she's the child of my old age. And since I started having kids, 
19 years ago. I have mellowed out somewhat since then. I am I am not a grandparent. I am some people, I don't know if anybody in the audience that is my age is a grandparent yet. There are people that work at the school who are my age who are already grandparents, but I'm not a grandparent yet, but Ellie is sort of halfway to a grandchild for me as the child of my old age. And I, I have mellowed out in the years since I started having kids, and so I, I would, my, what has risen in my estimation as a goal of my parenting is I want my kids to know I love them. I want my kids to be well-behaved. But even more than that, I want them to know I love them. And I think 15 years ago, well-behaved was higher in my estimation than it is now. Now, like I say, I want my kids to be well-behaved. I think that is a part of just being a respectful, disciplined kind of person. And I want my kids to be respectful. I want them to be disciplined. But more than that, I want them to know I love them. Yesterday, the day before, I went home from work, and Ellie came up to me and she said, uh, Daddy, you haven't played with me today. I want you to play with me. Now, when this person says that to you, what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, can you help it but just say, Oh, man, yes, I want to do that. Now, I will admit, if my 14-year-old boy Josiah came up to me and said, Daddy, you haven't played with me today yet. Can you play with me? I would say, yes, that sounds wonderful. Let's do that. My 14-year-old boy Josiah does not do that. Sometimes I will go up to him and say, Josiah, you haven't played with me today. Will you play with me? But And he will, you know, maybe. But uh, he doesn't say that to me. But Ellie says that to me. And my heart melts, and yes, I want to play with her. She's the child of my old age. And I, I am determined to enjoy this experience. Joseph was the child of Jacob's old age. Joseph was his favorite. Now, listen, when, when the people in my family say that Ellie's my favorite, I think, you know, basically it's a joke. I I love all my kids, and I think they recognize that I love each one of them and um, and am proud of them. And when, uh, when they see Ellie, each one of them, they just want to go up to Ellie and hug her and kiss her and play with her. She is the favorite of everybody in the family. Joseph, not so much. The father... Jacob lavishes uh, his affections on Joseph to a quite ridiculous extent and unhealthy, as the story proves as it goes along. And it turns out, as we read Genesis 37, we recognize the character of Joseph, shall we say, Joseph is a jerk. And in, he is a jerk in part because he is his father's favorite. And he knows it, and his father knows it, and all the others know it, and Joseph is not the favorite of anybody except the father. Rather, 
everyone else in the family hates Joseph for the affection that the father lavishes on this youngest child. This is bad parenting. The Bible doesn't tell us it's bad parenting. It just shows us. Now, I don't know, I guess Jacob didn't think it was bad parenting, but I don't think Jacob's ever read a parenting book, all right? I don't think he has given two cents to how to parent, He uh, give two cents of thought. Does that make sense? Is that an expression? I don't know. I don't think he's given a thought, how about that, to, uh, to how he parents his kids. Uh, the Bible doesn't present this necessarily as a negative kind of, but listen, the Bible does this quite a bit. If we're going to be mature readers of the Bible, we need to recognize that the Bible sometimes just presents to us situations and allows us to figure out, is this a good thing? Is this something I'm supposed to imitate? Or is this something I'm supposed to shun? Let me tell you what the right answer is here. This is bad parenting. The Bible does this, uh, especially when it comes to like marriage and parenting. I mean, that think Abraham and the things that he went through and the things that he, there, there are some things he did that we should not imitate. The Bible doesn't necessarily present these as negative things, but we have two eyes and we can read and we understand what the story uh, is about and how it would turn out in our own lives if we did some of the things he did. Let's not. Story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, remember how it starts? you got two sons. Now, the text doesn't say that one of them is the favorite of the other, and I don't know if maybe that had been the case, but the, the text doesn't want to go that route. Jesus is not telling the parable for that particular point. But the younger son comes up to the father and says, I'd like my share of the inheritance. Now, listen, the father gives the boy what he wants. That is bad parenting. Don't do that kind of stuff. I know the father in that parable is a representation of God, but I'm telling you as parents, we should not do what the father there does. Now, how do we reconcile that? I think maybe not everything in the parable is a representation of the father as God or whatever we want to say, or maybe the way God treats his kids is not the way we ought to treat our, but listen, it's bad parenting. Don't do that kind of thing. Don't give in to your kids and enable them to make those sorts of bad decisions. The Bible sometimes presents these things to us and doesn't judge them, but expects us to have judgment. Now, the Bible tells us good things about parenting, like the Bible likes to tell us you ought to discipline your kids. And I think that's a good thing to do, discipline your kids. We can also learn and be thankful for modern parenting strategies, parenting books. We ought to read some of those. Some of you are already parents. Some of you might be parents at some time in the future. You ought to read some parenting books. They'll give you good ideas. They'll give you sometimes bad ideas. You ought to read these parenting books critically as well, just as we read everything critically. Do I want to imitate this? Do I want to enact this or not? There are times in the Bible when we need to recognize bad examples are being presented to us. 
On the other hand, as I've already said, in some ways I can understand where Jacob is coming from. Kids are different, and it is, it is a common thing to, what, how shall I say? It's a common thing to have favorites. I'm not saying it's the way we ought to treat our kids. It's not. But it is a common thing. This is represented in literature quite a bit. Think Pride and Prejudice. Have you all read Pride and Prejudice? It's good. You ought to read it. Uh, Mr. Bennett. Uh, Oh, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. But uh, Mr. Bennett has five daughters, and he very clearly and vocally favors the two oldest daughters, especially number two, Elizabeth. And you know, out loud says the younger three are just silly and he, uh, he can't have a good conversation with them. But Elizabeth, she's a sensible girl. And Jane also is a sensible girl. And he, he enjoys their company. He has more things in common with them. I'm not saying that's good parenting either. I'm saying it's a common thing. Uh, Anne Frank in her diary she talks about how she herself is not the favored child. Her sister Margot is. Both the parents, she thinks, favor the older child and not her. There was a TV show on that went off recently. It's called This Is Us. And it's about um, uh, people. Uh, but three siblings in their childhood and how they grew up. And one of those siblings is adopted. And the mama, the story plays this out. The mama favors that adopted son more than the other two. And I think the way the show represents is like she feels this connection to him, but also this sort of sympathy for him that he's in this sort of different situation and she just wants to lavish upon him more attention and more of her love. Even though if you asked her, I think her name was Rebecca in the show. I think if you asked Rebecca, do you favor one of your children? I think she would say, no, of course not. No, she's read the parenting books. She knows how this is supposed to go and what's healthy in a family. I think if you asked her, she would say, no, no, I don't do that. You ask the kids. Yeah, yeah, she does that. You don't always realize it. It's not healthy. It's not a good thing to do. You sometimes just do it because you don't even realize you're doing it. The helpful thing about Genesis 37 is that it's right in front of our face and we can see Jacob doing it. And that helps us know well, this is something I need to guard against with my own kids. This is something I need to guard against. The father uh, in this story, Jacob, he did not guard against it. He gave his son some sort of a fancy coat. Now, you know this coat as the coat of many colors. I didn't want to read the translation I had because it would throw us off, but I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version, and it says that this is a long robe with sleeves. That's how it translates it. His father made him a long robe with sleeves. He made him a ketonet pasim. Now, I think you can probably already tell. We don't know what that is. It's, he made him some sort of a tunic, some sort of a, a coat. 
what was fancy about it? Eh, maybe it had many colors. Maybe it had long sleeves. Maybe something. It, the, the term, only pasim, the, the one that's about the many colors or the long sleeves or whatever it is, it only appears five times in the Bible. And it, in this story, and then in 2 Samuel 13, David's daughter Tamar has the same kind of a coat, whatever it is. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, translates it in the Joseph story as a coat of many colors, but different translators for 2 Samuel, translated in that story, actually different ways, but some Greek texts have a coat with sleeves that reach to the wrists, so a coat with long sleeves. Other Greek texts have a coat that reaches to the ankles. But it's the same term. Whatever it was for Joseph is what it was for Tamar. You interested in these translations? I'll give you another one. The Vulgate. Jerome, in the Vulgate, he followed the Septuagint. So it, for Joseph, it was a coat of many colors, and for Tamar, it was a coat that reached to her ankles. Okay, I don't know what kind of coat it was. It was a fancy coat in some way. The boys, uh, the brothers were jealous of this coat. It was a sign of the favoritism that the father lavished upon this boy. Joseph. And it wasn't good for the father, and it wasn't good for that boy either, and it wasn't good for the brothers, as the story reveals to us. Sometimes parents show favoritism in different ways. Now, I'll be honest, I don't quite understand this, but if you read then John Steinbeck's novel, East of Eden, this is what Cyrus Trask says to his son, Adam. Now, we have, we have grown up with Adam, if we have read this novel, grown up, and we have seen how hard Cyrus Trask has been on his son, Adam, and not on the brother, the older brother. He hasn't been hard on him, but he's been hard on Adam. And eventually, when Adam is older, the father, Cyrus, says to him, I love you better. Else, why would I have given myself the trouble of hurting you? I don't quite understand that perspective. But I think it is getting at something that is true about the way some people think. And it makes me wonder, it, does God, God is our father. Does God play favorites? Does God have favorites? And if he does, how does he treat his favorites? This is Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My child, do not despise Yahweh's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for Yahweh reproves the one he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. And that passage is quoted in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. I wonder, does God have favorites? And how does he 
treat them. I think sometimes people that think they are favored by God think that God treats his favorites with blessing upon blessing. I'm going to name names here because just naming the name almost makes me angry. There was a, a minister who died, uh, I don't remember when, uh, a couple of years ago. His name was Ravi Zacharias. I think he believed he was favored by God. You may have heard of this guy, Ravi Zacharias, big time apologist, wrote books. You may have read some of his books. You may have been helped by some of his books. He was an abuser of women. This was hidden until after his death, but he owned, this is gross, I know, but he owned what, these uh, massage spas, and he would go and get massages from these people, and during that process, he would do what you would imagine a guy would do during that situation. That's what he would do. And he justified it to them and to himself and to others by saying that his ministry is so important. It's doing so much good. He needs to relieve stress. He ne- and God has favored him so much. And this is the way that God shows his favoritism to him. I don't, I'm not at all convinced that Ravi Zacharias was one of God's favorites. I am convinced that Paul was one of God's favorites, and I've got scripture to back that up. This is Acts chapter 9. You might remember that as the chapter where Paul saw our Lord on the road to Damascus, and our Lord then appeared to this other fellow named Ananias. Listen, chapter 9, verse 15. The Lord said to Ananias, go. Ananias has been putting up a fuss. I don't want to go baptize that guy. Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen. He's one of my favorites. He's an instrument whom I have chosen, a chosen vessel to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. You can't get any clearer sign that Paul is one of our Lord's favorites there. Read the next verse. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. How does God treat his favorites. Joseph was the favorite child. Do you remember what comes next in this story? This chosen vessel appointed by the Lord to bring salvation to the earth? And how much He must suffer for the sake of God's name. How does God treat his favorites? There was one, I remember, who heard these words, You are my beloved son. 
in whom I am well pleased. And we remember how his life turned out. Sometimes we pray for God's favor to shower down upon us. Are we sure we're ready for it? If we want to be in God's favor, he can use us if we can endure his favoritism. Thank you.